Welcome to Wandering in Hope. Now here's Madisonville Church of God pastor, Josh Benson. Hey everybody, it's Pastor Josh. We're going to go to the second segment of Consumer Christianity. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 15-17, John says this. He says, Don't love the things of the world. I'm going to paraphrase. Because the things of the world are temporal. Right? They don't last. They're not of eternal significance. Now, at the end, though, so he does the philosophy, he does the theoretics, but he doesn't leave us there. He finishes it with sound theology. This is what he says. He says, The world is passing away along with its desires. That word and, when he says, and the world is passing away, I would say that that chi in the Greek language there, that, conju- uh, that conjunctive particle, is actually causative, I would say. So, so it's uh, causative in the sense that it gives a ground. It gives a ground for the previous statement. So he's, he says, don't hold on to the things of the world, they're temporal, because the world is passing away. All right? And... Because the world is passing away. This is what he does, though. He puts a comma and he says, But whoever does... Somebody out there is listening. Can you say, does? Whoever does the will of God abides forever. That's pretty amazing. Okay? So here's what I want to tell you. There is a phenomenon in Christendom today, particularly the American church, and it's very troubling. It's consumer Christianity. You say, Pastor, what is a consumer Christian? Um, man, okay, I gotta be honest. All right, it's somebody that church hops. It's somebody they're eating the apple. The apple is the church. They either hit a bad spot and throw the apple out, or they'll eat it down to the core. There's nothing left, and they throw it away. But they're not contributing back to society. They're not tapping into God's call on their life. And so they're living at a meager degree of their actual spiritual potential. So consumer Christians ask, what does this church, what does uh, my local faith community offer me? Instead of asking, how can I give back to the kingdom? All right. Here's the problem with consumerism in the business sense when it's applied to the church. Consumerism is based off this idea, and we're Americans, we get this, right? Capitalism, supply and demand. How much is that worth? Whatever you're willing to pay for it, right? What a pile of hogwash. That's crazy. Uh, I mean, so if I cut my arm off and I told you, I said, well, I think this was worth a million bucks to me. Do you want it? Would you pay a million bucks for my arm? I mean, so, you know, at some point the logic breaks down. But anyway, what is your faith worth to you? And when people approach the church with this question, the church has tried to answer the question. And it doesn't work like that. Let me explain this to you. In the consumer business model, it works like this. I Let's say I am the salesman. I carry a product. I want to convince you that you want my product. You need it. I do this at work all the time, selling landscape designs for folks. All right? But I do really do believe in what we do. And we do a good job. So I want the person to believe that they can trust in us 
that we offer good product. And then they buy into it and they buy the product. Right? And I hope that after they buy the product, that the product satisfies them. So who's in control in that situation? The consumer is always in control. Well, guess what? In Scripture, Scripture teaches us that the sheep do not control the shepherd. It is the revelation of God that determines the trajectory, the meaning, the end goal that sets the pace for the church today. So this is why consumer Christianity at its very basic, most simple level is a, is a slap in the face of the kingdom of God. This is why we must quit asking, what does the church offer me and my family? And start asking, how can we give back to the kingdom? What do I have to offer the church? What do I have to offer the kingdom of God? Okay, so the consumer rules, if there is no customer, there is no profit. If there's no profit, then there is no business. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says this. It says that, God's revelation to humanity regards all things that pertain unto life and godliness. In other words, it is the revelation of God that defines who we are, that sets the pace for our life, that tells us how we should live, how to find fullness. Okay? It is, it, it is, it is not the image of the child tugging on the father's pants leg until he eventually gives in and he gives the child what the child thinks the child needs or wants. That's not how Christianity works. Okay. So here we are. I'm going to just give you just a little cursory overview of how we've seen this in the church. In the old Roman Catholic church, there was a man named Tetzel. And Tetzel sold um, indulgences. An indulgence was one of those things like, how many of you got a, you know, you got that crazy aunt or crazy uncle. And, and, and you know, uh, if there's anybody out there that needs the Lord. You know, Aunt Shirley needs Jesus. And so, you know, Tetzel comes up one day and he says, look at this product I've got. You give me 50 bucks for Aunt Shirley's soul and say a few Hail Marys and she's not going to go to hell. Well, goodness, that's a great product. And we pay 50 bucks for Aunt Shirley, you know. It may not change her life down here. and We may regret it two weeks later, but Hopefully, she gets to go to heaven. So, Tetzel had a product. He convinced them the product was worthwhile. He pushed the product. People remained satisfied with it. And uh, it built St. Peter's Basilica. Honestly, it did. Google image St. Peter's Basilica. Yeah, that took a lot of money. <laughs> a lot of people with a lot of Aunt Shirley's, right? You go, you jump into the 4th century, and you see Constantine. Emperor Constantine does this on a mass scale on a socio-religious, political scale, he does this. Uh, you jump even farther uh, forward, uh, you go a millennium later and you see Martin Luther, and Martin Luther uh, comes around and he basically says, Sola Scriptura, you know, we, we will live by Scripture alone. And so the Reformation, what the Reformation was, it was about getting away from consumer Christianity. It was about getting back to the revelation of God, which defines the church. Okay? Now, how have we in America messed that up today? Well, Protestants have forgotten things such as Philippians chapter 3, verse 19. It says that our God is our belly, 
And our glory is in our shame who we mind earthly things. Uh, during the last 50 years, spiritual experiences have become more important than sound doctrine. Yeah. A lot of people think, if your worship experience wasn't exciting enough for me today, I'm not coming back. Well, maybe you need a better private spiritual experience with God that you can remain grounded in so that Sunday morning doesn't define the next seven days of your life. I mean, get a grip. But these are the kinds of Christians we're raising, a bunch of bratty kids. I'm glad my church is not a bunch of bratty kids. They're, they're, they're faithful, God-fearing uh, Christians. But this is a real problem in the church. So what these stories remind us, Tetzel, uh, Constantine, um, Luther, and what Luther battled against, what they remind us is that, as John, John says in, in, in the first letter, to John, uh, first letter of John, chapter 2, he says, All that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, these are the things that we hunger for. We hunger for temporal things that don't really matter. I want to tell you a story. Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 50, tells the story of a woman who washed Jesus' feet with her tears. Okay? The woman had a sinful reputation. She entered the home of Simon the Pharisee, where Jesus was invited to dine. He was a special guest, and he was greeted by a not-so-special person. Well, this lady, this not-so-special person, washed Jesus' feet with her tears, and she dried them with her hair. And kissed his feet repeatedly. Jesus declared of her that she loved much because she was forgiven much. I'll tell you who are consumer Christians. I'll tell you who are the Christians that want to just feed off the church until they're not satisfied in bail. They're the ones who've forgotten to be thankful for what God took them from. I see people every Tuesday night at, at Triumph Recovery who are hurting. People who have just come off drug addiction. People who have had family members die from suicide. People that are going through divorce. People that, and, and you know, I see those people in the altar crying. Uh, the Holy Spirit filling them. I see them weeping before the Lord and finding deliverance. And somebody asked me the other day, how's this happening on Tuesday nights? Ain't nothing I've done. It's because these people have remembered where they come from in the not so distant past. And they appreciate what God has done for them. Don't lose your flame. Don't become a burned out consumer. Remember where you come from. Be thankful for it. And ask God, God, what do I have to give back? Don't be a user and a loser. <laughs> be somebody with purpose. Alright? What we're going to do in the next section, I'm going to walk you through the Garden of Gethsemane. And we're going to see how Jesus has called you to do God's will and work in your life. Leave a uh, comment. Uh, basically tell me what you think Christian consumerism is and how you're rectifying that in your life to purge it from your experience. And uh, I'm going to offer you a $50 gift card Sunday morning, first Sunday morning in July. I'm going to pick the one that I think is the best. So if you don't get picked, you can't be mad at Pastor Josh. Signing off. Peace. Take care.